0: Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Hello, Imogen. Hello. How are you? By the I'm, way, I'm actually almost dead. I know you are because I've been moving house. Which you is up to horrid. your armpits and bubble wrap, bubble wrap boxes, bits of dust, things that I don't want. Mm. Having <coughs> moved out of the family home. Yes, I know. Trying to decant everything into some, yeah. into a tiny rented cottage. Um, which very sweet tiny winter mm. cottage, but still, nevertheless.
1: You also find out exactly what you don't need. Which
0: is almost everything I deserve. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> I mean, you've probably got about six bottles of olive oil. I have got that, six bottles of yes. olive oil.
0: Not anymore, I haven't. But the worst part was that I moved into a very sweet cottage and the previous tenants had left a bin full of... Bin things, oh, stuff. No, yes, which was there and probably I think been there for about six weeks. Oh, that's disgusting. And I had to empty it yesterday. Was it and it I actually was. I'm afraid I was. Yes, it was unbelievable. Oh, anyway, so that was quite traumatic. Did you cry? <laughs> no, I sent a stiff email to the managing agent. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> that's almost better. Very stiff email. That's almost better than <laughs> um, the crying. But no, it's been a. It's been a. It's emotional and mm. it's physically exhausting and emotionally exhausting mm. and. Yes, just exhausting really honestly. And uh but sort of in a also in a funny kind of way cathartic.
1: Well it is it's new beginnings. Yes. New beginnings are always a bit scary, yes. aren't they? they but are. but you know, especially some... when
0: you're 900 years old like that I is am. That's true, yes. <laughs> But it is a nice area. But I was very pleased with myself because mm. I managed to organise, uh, this is very boring for mm. the listeners, but I will quickly say it and then mm. we can move on to more interesting mm. things, which is that I managed to organise a parking permit before I'd even moved into the... Oh my God, that's in London amazing. Is actually, I think that's actually a superpower in oh, London. Th- that's amazing, I was, yes. I was very pleased with myself. Wow. Yes. Did you actually go there in person? No, I did it on the internet, and oh. it arrived and everything and it was there when I got there. So, wow. I just a, so I didn't get a fine, a parking fine, which was lovely. Oh,
1: well, that, that, you are winning already. <laughs> exactly, I was well
0: <laughs> but yes, almost there. The, the, the actually the most traumatized person in the family has been the cat.
1: Oh, I bet. I, honestly,
0: I did no really, I've never moved house with a cat before. Mm. They really don't like it. Are you it.
1: supposed to butter their paws or they something? They really don't like Aren't it. you supposed to do well, that?
0: First of all, she ran away about mm. six times yeah. in the other house, and I had to spend about three hours all in all standing at the bottom of the garden with a prawn in my hand <laughs> she does love have a prawn <laughs> trying to coax her in oh, with God. an Atlantic prawn which eventually worked mm-hmm. and then grabbing her whereupon she'd sink all her claws into every part of my fleshy body Ow. which was quite painful then put her in a room with more prawns and you know mm-hmm. all the things that she needs and then when the removal men are said I said look there's only one rule please do not open that door mm-hmm. under any circumstances because the cat is in there and she will run away so what did they do? Uh, of course they opened did. the door obviously yeah. so she ran away. So then I had to spend another two hours at the bottom of the garden with the prawn. Right. Anyway, finally managed to get her in. She. I took her to the. I took her to the lovely vet because they have. They have a, cat, a sort of cat thing where they stay overnight. And she literally meowed like this. Meow, 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 all the way there. It's sort of two second intervals. Gosh, that's annoying. And she, <laughs> it's like having a car she, alarm in honestly, the back of your car. <laughs> she is furious. She's now in the new house, absolutely furious. Right. Wandering around the house, going meow, meow. <laughs> Just looking at things and being <laughs> like, upset, right. and then she spent the whole of the night. Basically, you know that cat do that. Cats do that oh, that's the a horrible thing. thing. Yes, horrible do, claws. doing yes. that to my head. Just oh, I can't me. bear
1: cats. And, <laughs> I hate cats. That is the reason why not to have a cat. The dog is fine. The cat is... Having heard that, I think in the next life, I'm going to come back as your cat because I do like a prawn. Yeah, you do love a prawn. I love a prawn. It's so there we go. That's my new, my new life goals.
0: Anyway, coming up on today's show... Westminster sleaze problems continue. Does Westminster need a reboot? Is this a hashtag me Too moment? We are going to speak to political commentator Charlie Peters about the latest allegations of sexual misconduct mm-hmm. in the House of Commons. And are we risking the health of the nation? Food, czar? Oh, it's so nice to be a czar, isn't it? Henry, so, I'd love to be a czar or something. <laughs> Henry, I would be cat czar. Henry Dimbleby <laughs> joins us to discuss the fallout from delaying plans to limit promotion of unhealthy foods. And is your telltale triangle... Giving you away. Mm. What is it? What, yeah, um, where is it? <laughs> where is it? <laughs> Our resident beauty expert Hannah Betts explains all, plus how to look good in a heatwave. Oh, I say. The culture at Westminster continues to be called into question, this time owing to allegations of rape by a serving MP. Mm-hmm. The Prime Minister. Mr. Boris Johnson <laughs> is said to be shocked at the allegations, but refuses to comment on why the whip has not been removed, meaning the MP can continue to vote on laws and meet with the constituents. The scandal comes after a series of MPs have been forced to resign owing to sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, anyway, we thought we'd had a chat about this because it's quite interesting. Joining us now is political commentator and broadcaster Charlie Peters. Charlie, hello. Hello there. I mean, we can't really talk about the details in this case because it's all a bit strange and confusing. Mm. But there's something about the culture at Westminster, isn't there? And it's been sort of bubbling along. I mean, I suspect it's always been that way. But there's a combination of power and subsidized booze <laughs> that seems to sort of create a particularly yes. sort of... I mean, just people just do go a bit mad, don't they? They seem to just do things that they wouldn't do yeah. if they were working in, in a normal environment.
2: Yes, I think you're onto something there. The the power and subsidised booze combination certainly is a lethal and dangerous cocktail. And also, I just think the job can attract certain people who are happy to make sacrifices in their personal lives and future earnings in mm. exchange for uh, enhanced feelings of status and power. And whenever you yeah. have an overlap between that preference and a heightened risk of control and exploitation between MPs and staffers then I think you'll find it an issue there
0: yeah? yeah i completely agree and i think also the other thing is is that there are a lot of very I mean, I've been around Westminster mm. a lot, and there are a lot of very, very beautiful, shiny young people wandering around. Mm. Mm. And most of the MPs are sort of, you know, not beautiful and. Well, showbiz for
1: ugly people, it's isn't sh- it? That's what's supposed. To, that's <laughs> what being in politics is, isn't it? Supposedly, yeah. It's
0: a bit like Hollywood in that respect, yeah. where you've got all these fat old producers and lots of really <laughs> hot young starlets. Mm. And there's a sort of parallel there, isn't there?
2: Yeah, I think that certainly exists. But we have to take into account that this is probably worse in the past and that the same forces that are um, who who are improving things and have made it better have also made things generally more likely to be open and noticed. And so Mm. you're right to note that people notice the difference between MPs and staffers, both in terms of power and attractiveness. But Mm. we're also more aware, I think, of that imbalance in general, whereas maybe in decades gone by, we would have happily sat by and ignored the, the problems that are going on there
1: I just wanted to ask about the sort of the obsequiousness about everybody around the MP. Yeah. So they get these sort of delusions of grandeur that they're actually very important to people because the amount of sort of hovering and servicing and, oh, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. Can I get you a cup of coffee, sir? The idea that, you know, you're an MP for somewhere quite boring and very dull and you end up thinking you're actually quite important.
2: Yeah, that no doubt exists. And I think I think lots of, lots of um, MPs have taken on obscene trappings of grandeur with with their staff being called like the chief of staff to the mp it's just all a bit um <laughs> it's all a bit west it's all a bit, bit west wing don't you think and uh oh, well, I'm, um, yeah i i you know i'm i'm the head of cons for some mp for some you know backwater and <laughs> kent I, mean, who, I, I I don't really know what you're talking about i mean it seems a bit over the top to me but.
0: <laughs> no, there is a lot of that that goes on. Head of Comms, I love it. Basically, idea. answering the te- answer, r- mm. right uh, yes, writing w- letters, writing responding let- to complaints, licking some stamps, <laughs> licking some stamps. Yeah, no, no, I agree. But I think I think that's also partly to do with the grandeur of Westminster itself. That's because true, it yes. is it is like a sort of it is like a massive, great, big sort of luxury hotel, mm. isn't it? It's and I think people sort of lose their cool a little bit when they're there. And like I said there's a lot of subsidized a very good subsidized mm. booze. And I do think the drinking culture is a big part of it. So how long it. does the bar stay open till? The- uh till after late night voting. Really? Mm. So how late can you drink there till So then? the whole point is that you've you've got late night voting which usually ends about 11. Right. So obviously MPs have to be there for the division bell. Mm. And so they basically there's a load of restaurants where they go and have lots of lovely nosh, and then there's lo- lots of nice cheap booze. Is it strange yeah, spot? Strange gallery. It's Str- like Ian. it's like being in a sort of very exclusive gentleman's club in Pall Mall. It's like right. you know, it's like having dinner at the Reform Club. Right. Mm. I think
2: I think we're blaming bars too much here. I mean, there are lots of cheap <laughs> bars all over London because you can, fi- you, can, True. You, can you can find a Wedgwoods <laughs> anywhere you want. I think that I think the problem we've had more recently is that the last two snap elections of 2017 and and 2019 brought in a a flurry of politicians who either didn't expect to be elected or, Mm. if they were, weren't sufficiently vetted by the parties because there was such a sudden rush to Mm. to get the votes out. So we've had, you know, Jared Omar in 2017, who resigned after making some Truly, quite vicious comments about women, and several mm. um you know, sexual harassment allegations are made against him. And then think about you know MPs we've had since twenty nineteen. I mean, you, mm. we have uh, Imran Khan who's been convicted of of paedophilia, for goodness' sake. And um, these are people who should never ever have made it to the Palace of Westminster, let alone mm. be allowed to enter their subsidised and lovely bars. I've
0: often felt that there's a case for Westminster to have a proper HR department do you because think, yeah. because it's run like a sort of series of tiny little fiefdoms. Because basically the MPs are technically self-employed, mm. and so they employ their own staff. And I think actually, if there was a centralised unit, then it would be much easier to monitor behaviour. Is, is there no vetting at all? Do you not get vetted, Charlie? No, you do. do you not rigorously. get vetted. Well, you should.
2: You do. You should, you should be rigorously. Yeah the the central the central party should. Um, through teeth and comb, you file through everything on a scale that makes MI5 look a bit amateur. But I think the problem was that in in the last two elections, they kind of they bottled it a bit because there was such mm. a sudden rush towards the vote, and um, if and and the Tories weren't expecting to smash the red wall.
0: Do you know what the sort of proportion of Tories versus what's the sort of? I mean, it's a terrible question to ask, but.
2: Uh, who's the worst who's the worst oh god yeah well okay well i i'm i'm have you got, a, have you got a score sheet um so mm-hmm. uh no I, I well there was i think you might recall in 2017 guido Fawkes published a list of kind of uh an excel spreadsheet of allegations when when the mm. me too conversation kind of picked up and there was a mix but i think it leaned more heavily towards the Conservative Party, um, right? the party of moral authority and, and deference to duty, unfortunately, had a bit of an issue with groping. So, um, Why
0: do you think that is? What is it about the Tories? Fruity old, Fruity old, old- tossers.
2: <laughs> to be boring and statistical, firstly, there's more of them. Uh, there are more for uh, yeah, MPs. Right. <laughs> but also, okay. yes, I think there is something in the the fruity-tosser combo. But mm. we shouldn't, I think, <laughs> um, naturally um, lean towards thinking that Labour are such angels. Perhaps they have fewer abusers in the Palace of Westminster, but I think often of Sarah Champion, the MP for Rotherham, who was forced out of the front bench in 2017 after she raised the issue of child exploitation in her town and many other towns across England. So Labour, they might talk the talk about issues in SW1 but when it comes mm. to exploitation in deprived and struggling parts of the country not only do they ignore it but you know they might indeed be making it worse than it is
0: yeah a lot of labor politicians tend to be quite sort of they sort of seem to have, they have a different type of problem they sort of seem to have a problem with the Tories maybe are a bit sleazy, but the Labour lot are a bit corrupt. There seems to always oh, be see. a little bit of, you know, on the sleazeometer, uh, yes, There's there's, there's nuances, but I mean, like, the problem with the Tories is that I always think I always, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the, all that terrible sleaze during John Major's government. Mm. It's just very damaging, and it sort of sticks, doesn't it? I mean, I, that's why I think that, although I'm very firmly of the belief that everybody should be innocent until proven guilty, mm. which is why, you know, I don't think it's right to persecute somebody until they've actually had their day in court Mm. I do think that there might be some structural changes that could be made in Westminster just to make these things just to make it less tempting well it just Just also causes
1: disengagement I mean the more sleazy that government or an institution is the Mm. more people just don't want to engage with it Mm. and so they end up creating their own bubble that Mm. carries on and on and on because nobody's interested in what they're doing because there's too unattractive to even deal with I think Mm.
2: Yes, and I think actually on the idea of um, having some more kind of infrastructure designed to deal with this problem, that should appeal to the Tories more because you're right, mm. Sarah, it sticks more when it comes from the Conservatives. The The general, I don't know, the branding associated with Conservatism, especially Toryism, is sleaze. And that vibe and that aesthetic certainly ascends more generally when you've got, I don't know, Labour MPs at, at Glastonbury and Tory MPs living at HMP. It's not a particularly. Mm brilliant
0: image yeah no so I, do, I, so I think that the world is the way it is and you just have to deal with these issues and it's no good just pretend saying oh it's really unfair mm. you know the Tories shouldn't have this attached to them because there are just as lots of other politicians in different you have know, different stripes who are just as bad the fact is that is the problem and, yeah. and th- they should deal with it and I think Johnson should probably deal with it mm. and to not deal with it is silly because, because it will just you know it just doesn't do us any favours mm. really not
1: helped by party gate either not helped there. by
0: party gate, no 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 <laughs> well thank you for that I don't know what we can do but probably just watch and wait and see yeah well I
1: mean basically shut the bars but I do
0: think it is a bit of a you know it is it is getting a bit problematic they do need to probably do something mm. about it yep. in some way anyway thank you so much Charlie lovely to talk to you bye bye <laughs> Despite concerns about the health of the nation, plans to outlaw buy one get one free, or bog-offs as they're known, (laughs) deals, and pre-war shirt adverts of unhealthy foods have been delayed by a year. Critics, brackets me, Mm -hmm. have pointed out that rising levels of obesity in the UK probably make this an insane strategy, whereas the government has countered that they're doing it because of unprecedented squeeze on living standards. Um... We're joined by the divine Henry Dimbleby, who wrote the government's food strategy to talk about this. Henry, what's your view? I think that the last thing the government should be doing is encouraging people to eat empty calories. Mm, Well, also,
3: the evidence shows that it also will make the cost of living crisis worse, because young food marketeers are taught about something called the consumption effect, which is the fact that if you do bog-offs on certain kinds of food, we buy more thinking that we're going to save money, but actually eat more and on average spend 20% more money on that food. Chocolate, for example, has in, in the jargon of food marketeers an expandability of 93%, which means that we eat, if it's in a bog off, almost twice as much as we had intended. So not only is it going to make the cost of living worse. It's also going to make it sick. It's a completely disastrous policy. And And of course,
0: expandability of 90% around your waistline. Mm. (laughs) Exactly.
3: exactly. I I just think it's insane. Well, this morning, both Tesco's and Sainsbury's have said they're going to do it anyway, even though it will lose the money. And Sainsbury's, for the first time, a food company has said to the government, this is insane, you need to reverse this legislation because we can't do it on our own. If it's not law, even, Mm. you know, some of us will do it voluntarily, but others will continue to feed the stuff to people that makes them poorer and sicker.
1: Yeah. Henry, is it always cheap food that they do bog-offs on, is it? It's never chicken
3: breast or anything like that. It's never tofu. stuff where there is high, in inverted commas, expandability. So there is no point in doing bog-offs. On chicken breasts, Mm. don't buy chicken breasts to store up, or most people don't. you know Some might have a lot of freezer space. They might see a bog mm. up the on the freezer. But they have very low expandability. You just buy as much as you otherwise would, and, and it's cheaper. So there's no point in supermarkets doing that. They do it for foods that you buy to store, that you put in your house. And then when they're in your house, in the cupboard, you sneak up to that cupboard a bit more than you'd intended and end up eating more mm. of the stuff anyway. So it's Biscuits, sweets, chocolate, crisps—these crisps. Yeah. are all the things that have high expandability, where the consumption effect is powerful. And you know, right. it, it makes sense. You know that from your own life about right? the stuff that's sitting in your house. Mm. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. there to resist certain kinds of food.
0: But the point is, you, what you're trying to do is to discourage people from spending their money on those sorts of food anyway, because mm. they're just so bad for you. You know, what the government should do is it should be encouraging proper healthy food to be more affordable not saying people can't afford healthy food. So let's just stuff them full of crisps, which is basically what they're saying. Is that right?
3: Yeah. I mean, the the focus on calories alone, you know, as you say, there are empty calories. And the the other thing about this kind of food is that empty food, again, if you have food that is high in calories and low in fiber in particular, Mm. it it fills you up less, you eat more of it. So this food is not having cheap, cheap calories on Mm. their own is not the solution. We don't have a calorie problem in this country. We have a nutrition problem.
0: Yeah. And what about the effect on the sort of repercussions in the long term on the health of the nation generally? I mean, that's the other thing, is that the people who are most likely to take advantage of bog-offs are the ones who can probably least afford to in health terms. Is that not right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think people yet quite realise how bad it's going to get if we don't do something about it. So, interestingly, James Bethel, who was a health minister during the pandemic, has become recently a massive campaigner on this stuff because he said every morning we'd go into a hospital and talk to them about their COVID wards. And the COVID wards were full of people with pre-existing health conditions, all created by food. The NHS thinks that by 2035, it is going to spend more on treating type 2 diabetes alone than it does on all cancers. So Gosh. you're creating not only this burden on the NHS, which means there's going to be no money to spend on anything else, an unhealthy mm. population, which surely is kind of the basis of any nation you want healthy people contributing. And mm. it's going to cost money. It is it's it is a massive problem waiting to explain. But, you're crazy, but also so like, you're <laughs>
0: creating personal misery mm. for people because... If they are encouraged to eat this sort of thing, they will themselves just be—they'll feel ill. Mm. And they'll, they'll be, mm. you know, as you say, they won't be able to work as effectively. They won't be able to look after themselves. They won't be able to look after. I mean, I just think it's insane yeah. what the government. Is so, so, to so do. why have they done this
1: U-turn then? Why? What is the reason well, behind it?
3: What um, William Haig wrote an article about it, the former Tory leader, and he said that basically. A bunch of MPs had written to Boris saying that they would put in letters to the 1922 committee, which would trigger an, a leadership election. So I don't know. If mm. That's what they say. And what if he didn't? What
0: if he didn't go back on it? If, if, if he didn't do
3: a U-turn because but, they but, but, are. But what's know, in, in it
0: for leaders. them, though? I
1: don't understand
0: what's but, in it for but, them.
3: But surely he, he a should certain just certain very ideological right winger who still hasn't realised that markets, while they are fantastic in many ways. Create problems, and it is the job of the government to regulate markets to stop those problems. So they just say this is outrageous. The government shouldn't be doing this. We should be encouraging it's personal
0: a free infringement of person. personal freedom. Yes, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yes. That, and that, that
3: argument is very strong in some people. There Put is a lots of the idea. lobbying that goes on, and disinformation that goes on on behalf of you know. There's a very strong. It's all about education and mm. exercise. And if you can't get off your ass and exercise, and it's your own fat fault. And I know from what you've written, Sarah, that's,
2: mm, you've thought that about true. yourself,
3: right, in the past. Yeah, so, And yeah, actually, that is the case that we all think that even people who are overweight tend to think it's their fault. And it's yeah. not. It's like the, this idea of choice. It's like, you know, you have the choice to take the bad stuff or the good stuff. It's like filling, pouring sewage into a river and then mm. telling someone they've got the choice to swim in the clean bits. It's just not a choice that you have, particularly if you're the poorest part of the country.
0: We talk about an obesogenic society, and I think that is a sensible word. I do think it exists. And because humans are designed... You know, we are engineered to eat as much as we possibly can because we never know when the next bit of food is mm. coming from mm. in the wild. Mm. But we don't live in the wild now, we live in a world full of crisps. Mm. And so, yeah. but, but, not, but, but our fundamental nature, our fundamental makeup, genetic makeup, hasn't changed. Mm. Our brains still tell us to eat as much food as we can because. We never know when the next bit of and, buffalo is coming it's, it's from. It's also
1: that sort of salt, fat, sugar combination that's particularly addictive, isn't it? Well,
0: it's- you once told tell me, Henry, about about the way that food companies test the success of their products. Can you just tell oh, me that God, again? Don't. It's just brilliant.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so I call this the junk food cycle in the National Food Strategy, and it is provably the case that there is this toxic interaction between our evolved appetite and the commercial incentives of companies. So we evolved, as you say in a calorie-scarce environment, to seek out salty, so sugary in particular, fatty foods, and they make us full less quickly. So when we find them, we eat more of them. Food companies, not because they're thinking every morning, you know, how can we make the children of the nation flat, how can we kill everyone, but because it is simply easier to sell that food and spent more and more money marketing and developing it. We've eaten more, they've spent more on and develop it. And you get this vicious cycle where we've got fat, they've got rich and people are dying. It shouldn't be a surprise that there are twenty eight kinds of Kit Kat in this country, you mm. know, because they're just much easier to sell than kale because we want to eat more of them. The market for confectionery in the UK is three point nine billion. That's one category. The market mm. for all fresh fruit and veg is two point two billion. No, this isn't a mass failure of willpower. It's about if you think about what we talk about with our appetite. If you think, humans have strong urges: sexual urges, Mm. urges for competition, urges to find food. It is very urges to buy handbags. (laughs) Yeah, I I said I said to my wife the other day. I said it's like we, we all want to be faithful. But if someone was spending millions of pounds sending you she didn't like this analogy, sending you gorgeous women to seduce you, <laughs> it would be quite it would be quite a lot harder. At a
0: certain so point, point you're gonna
3: like, go,
1: okay. Yes, well, I'll tuck in, go on then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh. It would be hard. These urges are powerful and, mm. and 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 it is the government's job to make sure that the market mm. isn't using them in a in an irresponsible way.
0: But also I don't understand why Boris is worried about this, because he made a brilliant case after he had COVID for saying, yes. look, you know, I was too fat and that was why I got so yes. sick. Uh, you know, what are these people going to do? Even if, he did, even if they did manage to get a vote of no confidence, it wouldn't be passed. No.
1: But also, also
0: Boris has, did lose lots of weight.
1: Sadly, it yeah. seems to have not... It seems well, to very have hard to it off. back yeah. on again, I know. But I think uh, he was a very good example of yeah. l- having learned a lesson.
3: Well, I'm encouraging. Well, but it's also a good example of how hard it is, right? You know, if you have well, exactly a, what's yeah. if you look at levels of obesity, they've increased in society. But then there is a tail, kind of, a, that creeps out to the right-hand side of people who've got, on average, much fatter than the general population. So there are clearly people who have genes who, in a calorie-scarce environment, would have been very effective during a winter. They would have been the ones who would have survived.
0: Yes, that's but me. The human rich, Labradors.
3: <laughs> yeah, in a uh, calorie-rich uh, environment, those genes are not particularly helpful. Yeah, no, so that's and me. I'm
0: basically a human Labrador. I mean, if I eat um, something, yeah. I am obviously very good at preserving. I mean, I if you talk to my friends and people who know me, they will tell you I actually don't eat very much No, at I know all. you don't. No. And, and because I am a human Labrador, mm. I only, you know, one calorie, for, you know, 20 calories for Imogen is like 100 calories for me. Yeah. Well, come, come uh,
3: the, the, the imminent nuclear winter, you'll add saliva all well either well, that true. or
0: somebody will eat me oh yes <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a thought <laughs> well thank you on, the, on that thank note you. Henry I think we should leave it there but thank you very much that's been brilliant thank you, thank you for coming on and thank you for explaining it and I hope I'm, very, I'm pleased to hear that Sainsbury's and Tesco are being sensible. Yeah, well done But them. you see, they can afford to slightly because they've got quite deep pockets, mm. haven't they? Mm.
3: Well, it is, but it is interesting. It's the first time in particular saying we need more regulation, and it's just, it's good to see that happening. I know mm. it's, it's less of a problem for them. If you just sell crisps or if you just sell like, um, ice cream, because they're going to sell food, whatever. I think it's an interesting shift in tone.
0: That was Henry Dimbleby, who wrote the government's food strategy. Mm. Very, very sensible man. a very... lot about food. As we get our summer wardrobes ready. I don't get my summer wardrobe ready, do you? No, Anton. I just
1: blow the dust off I, last year.
0: I, I literally <laughs> just go, look at it and think, oh dear, I can't get into any of that. No. And then just look for the elasticated waistband. But anyway, that's mm. a diversion. <laughs> Daily Mail columnist and resident beauty expert Hannah Betts is here to explain just what the telltale triangle is <gasps> and how we can look our best no matter how hot it gets. <clears throat> Hannah, what is the telltale triangle? Uh. I was wondering whether it was a bad bikini wax. Oh well, <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, that's your Bermuda Triangle. Um, it's yeah. that bit on your chest that looks awful. Is it just me? Is there it is. Claire and I both. both no look bit, bit on my chest now, that going, looks
1: awful. Looking down, going, oh god, what? But that. Oh, that. Oh, the debt is that is bit. Is it? Is it the one that's? I can see it. Where? There.
0: Where? Yeah. Here. Yeah. What, the bit where you bend over to pick mm. something up and then realise that there's a lot of wrinkles? Yes, that bit. Is it what the French call your décolletage? Yeah. Yes. no, very sensitive area.
4: And I'm afraid at our time in life, it does start to look a bit ropey, doesn't it? And also mine was sort of this self-created crisis zone in which I not only had ageing, I had sort of a spotty sunblocky area I had Absolutely. brushes from perfume I then mm. had used anti-aging things that just made the whole I mean it was a mess uh let me tell you um <laughs> and um, and I also do have a sort of DJ I love you DJ. so
0: much Hannah <laughs> Sorry, I love please. you so much
4: <laughs> well, I just uh, want you
0: to know I, that I love you I, I mean I,
4: I've got an area of anxiety I've created a mm. new cultural area of anxiety
0: Yes. Um,
4: What
1: can we do about it? What can we (laughs) do about it, Hannah? How can we make it? Well, the
4: wonderful thing for me is that um, my guru, Michael Prager, injected me with a little something that cured the whole thing. But there are other things one can do if one doesn't have.
0: Was the little something by any chance profilo?
4: It isn't quite profilo with Juvederm which I think is a bit oh, it's, the same, thinner. it's sort
0: of similar yeah. thing yeah, yeah similar
4: thing um, Juvederm I don't
1: need any plumping part. there frankly no 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 it's not because <laughs>
0: Profilo isn't a filler Profilo is a sort of internal moisturiser so it just basically yes, makes the exactly. skin quality a bit better exactly. Yeah.
1: can you just not um, exfoliate Hannah can you just not exfoliate with a well, nice I had, thing I
4: had can if you're a bit less rashy and allergic than I had made myself. But my my problem was exhibiting was <laughs> leading to, I believe the technical term might be cluster F. Um and oh. so I I just created a sort of mess,
0: basically. Okay. And when did all stuff- this happen, Hannah? Did you just wake up one morning and think I'm going to do this to myself?
4: Well, no, I've I've been trying to not look at it for about a year now. I've basically become very allergic through doing the column as well. Mm. You know, because uh, if you're getting these things, you do try everything, don't you? Mm. And as yeah. you know, I'm a sunblock queen. So yeah. it had just become a bit of a mess, frankly. And I do have cleavage wrinkles. Do we mm. not all have cleavage wrinkles?
1: This um, is the problem about this time of year though, isn't it? Because you take your polo neck off because, yeah. uh, and you suddenly think, oh my God, the sun's out, off comes the polar and then you go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh no, flesh.
4: And it is very out there. I mean if you you don't know. But have also to that's the themselves. the other
0: thing <laughs> is is the other thing is it's the part of you that ages the worst because when you're a young thing and you're skipping around the beaches of Europe as my daughter currently is at the moment, mm. you're not thinking, I've got really thin skin on my chest, I need to make sure it's fully factor fifty up. No. You just don't. And it does get burnt. I mm. mean, I remember that was always the bit on me that used to burn.
1: Yeah. Also what you want is quite brown norks. So- <laughs> so- <laughs>
0: Well, I've right. never wanted Brad norks,
4: but I've somehow got <laughs> this mess. But it's gravity as well, isn't it? And uh, I mean, I yes. often wear a sleep bra, although not in this weather. Thank you. But even with a sleep bra, you can wake up with two or three indentations. Hmm. I've also got something called demographic skin, which would make me a perfect murder. Oh, no, victim, I have that. Apparently.
0: I have that. Yeah, I have where, that. where the
4: lines just stay forever.
0: So what have you found, apart from Juvederm, that is actually mm. helping? Because well, I think I think our I, listeners just need some solutions now, Hannah. Yeah, now that well, you've presented called- them with a problem. Yes.
4: <laughs> now that now I they're all paranoid
1: the looking at themselves.
4: Well, I think there are these things called wrinkle schminkles um, oh. that very big busted ladies use. And it's a sort of piece of silicon that you cut in your chest and it stops these creases. And they're reusable. And that's quite good. I'm also mm. I'm basically now treating my telltale triangle better than I'm treating my face as well. I'm putting in the time. I'm not kind of exposing it to crazy retinals and things. I'm just
0: <laughs> I think it was <laughs> Mary Helvin, wasn't it? The model Mary Helvin who said that your, whatever you do on your face, you should automatically you know whatever skincare you do on your face, you should automatically do on your neck and decolletage.
4: Yeah, was, I think I remember right. her
0: saying that very vividly about fifty years and I, ago. And
4: I don't think it's the hands. You know, we talk about how the hands give your age away, and I think this area is more exposed often. Mm.
0: To so, be honest, everything, I mean, everything, is, everything about me gives my age away. I mean, just <laughs> if I'm just standing in a room, it gives my age just away. Just your general attitude. general I'm
4: very happy being fifty-one, but I don't want it to look seventy-one. I think that <laughs> you know, when I'm seventy-one, I won't want it to look ninety-one. I guess that's the thing isn't it you don't yes. want you don't want to buck rogers
0: you um, always want to look history. 20 years younger than you actually are mm. oh. you could always just yeah. wear a scarf yes so i, just I, I a like scarf. a scarf mm. i do love a scarf oh, yes so
4: hot, isn't it isn't it and the heat wave is coming next week it's, it's going to be back i mean it's a bit rainy today but i've got some makeup tips that i thought you and imogen because i know you like to run off to boots after the session yes, we do we do um and there's some Cracking new slap, ladies. Cracking. Is there? Oh. Yeah. You'll oh. remember last time I was talking about bargains, I recommended the NYX Bear With Me Concealer and the um, the new Maybelline Tattoo Brow, which I'm still obsessed with. <laughs> um, so those two are brilliant. But mm. also, there's an eye product, um, an eye shadow by ELF called No Budge Shadow Stick. Have you seen them?
0: No, I like ELF. I mean, I know these yeah, are teenagers. Is it for teenagers? It is for teenagers. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but I like it. I really like we are, limits are the, on makeup. We are the teenagers. No, no um, budge so, what? No budge eye stick. That no sounds great. No budge
4: shadow stick. Okay. And oh. they are sensitive. Um, there's a, there's a limited edition at the moment called Cookies and Cream, um, and they've got a sort of white and a blue, which are heaven, but there are lots of other colors in sort of champagne colors and browns and, and what other people might deem more wearable, and then some brights as well, and they are cracking, particularly in hot weather, and they're yeah. so easy, you know, you crayon it on, and then you've got your, you've got your eye for the day, and then my other sensational revelation. is not
0: having your eye for the day. <laughs>
4: Just leaving <laughs> your eyes behind. To, yeah, big, big eyeless. Yeah. Um, the other thing which you've got to get involved with is this no-budge vinyl colour by Maybelline. And they are so good. And I'm not what even that it? obsessed with lipstick. Is it a
0: nail polish? Or is it a lipstick? No, it's, okay. a,
4: it's a lip. And my God, is it a lip. It's glossy and bright. And it stays on for 16 hours.
1: Oh, gosh, okay.
4: And it Does
0: it dry you. your lips out, though? Because often they do, those lips, not No, oils, don't they?
4: no. It's lovely in liquid. Basically, I, I put it to the test of having lunch, having tea, having coffee, and then having a snog. And, it, I mean, it stayed on pretty well. I I would say a hot drink, you might want to reapply it. But it is bloody good stuff. Um,
1: I want your day. <laughs>
4: I know you're so <laughs> that was yes, a great day. day. <laughs> <laughs> You can see why I find the hot weather so exhausting. Yes. Um, but they are ninety nine each, and I think I might have find, found my first neutral. There's a shade called Witty, which is a kind of mauve, which I'm completely in love with. There's also a kind of hotter color called Unrivaled, which which is my sort of much more, it, it, it's this kind of purpley pink, which I'm obsessed with. But, Emma, I could see you in peachy. Well, there's one called Red Hot, which I think would be lovely. But I honestly, I have not found it's Basically, we're all going back to hot colour for the summer. And this, yes. is, this is the way. Um, and there's 11.99 nice a pop.
0: It's nice to wear lipstick after the old pandemic. Isn't it?
4: Oh, yes, it and this glossy. This is, yes. glossy. Mm.
0: This mm. is mm. joyous.
4: You know, at eleven ninety nine, you might be able to afford more than one. Imagine, mm. uh, you know, you can get your, your day and your night. But they're really impressive. Here's the thing. Mm. Have you ever worn Estee Lauder double wear?
0: Yes, I have, actually, as a matter yeah, of Yeah, it. because
4: it's Britain's most popular base. And I, yeah. I had always not got quite into it. I don't know why. I think probably because its colours were a bit dark for me.
0: Mm. But there's a yeah. new
4: double wear, which is sheer. And my goodness, it's good. Is it? It's See, double Estee wear, Lauder, is, yeah. I
0: think we're the target market for Estee Lauder, aren't we? <laughs> Bluegrass. <No>!
4: <laughs> and you know, I spend my thing, whole time it? writing about trendy little brands, but this new double wear, it's a bit more modern. It's sheer, but it's long-lasting. It, it stands up very well to hot weather. And I think it's about 35 quid a pop. Anyway, it's rather brilliant. So I should also be writing about that, about the new double wear. But it's got a very edgy sort of sheer, very nice on a on a midlife lady girl. Oh, yes. Um, so I'd strongly recommend that as well. And then the other thing that's flying in the hot weather is this thing by Q and A, which they sell at Sainsbury's and it's um, and Holland and Barish and places like that. And it's a hyaluronic acid face mist, and I think oh. it's six ninety nine. Anyway, I've got one in the fridge, and it's rather lovely.
0: Oh, that sounds like um, a very good idea. I think that would work quite well on the old telltale triangle. Yes, indeed. Well,
4: <laughs> I can see you're catching on to my concept here. Um, <laughs> we will make this a thing, and it's very cooling. So, you know, at six ninety nine, So good for, your- mm, mm, good for a mm. menopausal lady.
0: Perfect. Good for a menopausal lady.
4: Sounds marvellous.
0: On that note, Hannah... <laughs>
4: Enough about my woes.
0: Yes. Um, go back to snogging, that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, darling. Bye. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening.